Welcome, everyone, to Grim After Dark. This is the Frontline Gaming Network's weekly interview show where we hit the high points of the last week in the Frontline Gaming Network community um, and talk to the best players and content creators from around the world about the one thing we all love, Warhammer. Um, tonight, we're going to be joined by Florida Man 40K host Tim Penny, uh, and we're going to share the best things we've found online this week. As always, my co-host needs no introductions. He's an RTT machine. Uh competitive chuckler and he's one tournament away from finally dropping admac forever it's danny mcdevitt <laughs> that was a solid uh two one chuckle danny i gotta say like <laughs> after that build up right there yeah um, John. danny big week in the warhammer community uh games workshop released what they're calling or what a lot of people are calling an underwhelming roadmap of what's coming up um what's your take on the next few months of 40k well, I feel like we, we kind of knew what was coming out uh, already a bit uh, with Oryx. I mean, we all assumed Oryx was coming out pretty soon, although it sounds like maybe it'll be out a little bit sooner. I don't know. September. Um, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I was thinking it was going to be another October, but I was mm -hmm. pleasantly surprised to be wrong. So, Well, we, we could see that, that pre-order be like September 25th. Yeah, that's And right. then all of the models and everything are going to be in, in Orktober. <laughs> for branding purposes right and then the mystery codexes later this year i was a little bit bummed about it would have been nice to get kind of an idea of what they're going to be however um no. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty excited that we might get to see uh some maybe an uh an, or an, Oct an octarius uh supplement yeah we'll see, we'll see about that we got a nice preview about that today yeah um, which was not part of the roadmap so I'm not sure when that book is coming out but we're I don't know. I think everybody's pretty excited, especially Tyranid players. Yes. And that new synapse rule coming up or synapse. I know there's going to be like three people who yell at me for that, um, where you got to be like within 12, within 12, within 12. So you can like cover the entire table. That's like a great rule that really fits in well with the army. Super mm -hmm. excited to see how that goes from there. Yeah, for sure. And then what else we got coming up in the next few months, uh, Danny? Oh, man. So... John, I'll tell you what, I was very pleasantly surprised this week. I opened up, or maybe it was last week. I think it was last week. I opened up my email. Uh, I saw I got an email from Frankie. I thought it was going to be another cease and desist. Like, please stop following my Twitter and posting all of that shit about me. Um, but it wasn't. It was. Oh, uh, it was I got one of those. Yeah, well, <laughs> you can't be surprised about that after all those pictures you sent him. That's fair. Um, <laughs> I, I, I Aaron Demsky bowed and him hard. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, I thought they were just backside picks, but frontside picks. Come on, man. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but I got a re I got a reminder that I had uh, delayed my SoCal ticket to, for the next year, so uh, I got a notice oh. ticket to, to the SoCal Open this year in 2021 at the end of October. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised by that, and I can't wait for Reese to fulfill his promise to me that I can play 40k in the ocean wearing my aqua socks. I think really he just told you to get out of his building and go to the ocean. <laughs> well, it wasn't um, that time. It was a different time before that that he told me to leave. Um, oh, good. Yeah, yeah. So nobody had to call the cops that, that time. That's fair. And then fulfilling our contractual obligations from the Frontline uh, Gaming Network style guide of promoting a Frontline Gaming Network event once every 58 and a half minutes. Uh, the SoCal Open registration is open now. Uh, so if you want to play 40K and see Danny and his uh his special swim socks which i forgot the name of in the last 30 seconds um is going to be october 22nd through the 24th at the del mar fairgrounds in california and yeah, it's going to socks i'm wearing john so you can oh. you can guess where one of them's going i mean i'm hoping your feet because i mean i know you set that up to be a root thing but i can guess that one of them's going on your feet our uh, <laughs> will to do it's true but yeah very excited for that it's going to be like a great event there. Um, <laughs> uh, Danny, apparently, Falcon, while Falcon appeared in the chat, good old Duke, uh, you got way hotter after Charity Hammer. So I was always this hot. I just had to, like, you know, teen movie myself back up to full hotness um, after Charity Hammer. Did you, he, you took off your glass. Well, usually they take off your glasses. Yeah. Oh. Ooh, now we can take you to prom. <laughs> <laughs> um 
But with, with all of the, the talk of roadmaps, uh, I did reach out uh, to Pat Paval or anything else you wanted to add there, Danny, about, about the SoCal Open this October. Um, uh, Frontline Gaming's uh, next giant event coming to the Southern California. Um, well, uh, I'm I'm pretty I'm, I'm I'm pretty excited about the event. I think it's going to be the premier event of the season until LVO. Um, but yeah, everybody anybody who can attend should attend. Yes, absolutely. Um, but that got me thinking, kind of this the the roadmap idea, and I was like, that's a pretty good thing. So I actually emailed uh, Frontline Gaming Network Creative Director Val uh, to see if Frontline has a roadmap uh, for the future. And after I kind of got past the initial email where he thanked me for my interest in the Frontline Gaming Network and let me know that he wasn't looking for content creators at this point of time, um, he did actually let me know that Frontline Gaming Network does have a roadmap for like the next three months. So we could have our producer pull up the roadmap for FLGN. Beautiful. So here is the wonderful FLGN 2021 roadmap. As you can tell, September, all of the great shows on there. You have 40K Game Changers, but Chapter Tactics, Signals, a Thursday show, Grim After Dark, Stat Center, uh, October, all of the same shows. We're a little bit smaller. That's okay. You know, tighter. Uh, like uh, the comedy works better in tighter, uh, smaller sets. Uh, and then hopefully by November, we'll have been replaced entirely by Stat Center, or at least the very <laughs> hope of it. Or, you know, someone with talent. One of yeah. those two things. Yeah. Gosh, I, I really hope so at this yeah, point. Me too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is your roadmap for the next three months of the Frontline Gaming Network. I hope you're as excited as I am uh, at the sheer 30 minutes of effort that went into making that wonderful thing. Uh, so, so thank you, who whatever wonderful uh, person behind a desk made that this afternoon. Um, that wasn't the only thing we saw uh, as well this week. Uh, as part of GW's roadmap, uh, Black Templars, uh, which many have called the worst Space Marine chapter of all time. I've heard, uh, that, I've heard that said before, John, for sure, uh, like from uh, numerous different people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then described as a hot topic Space Marines. Um, which just seems rude, uh, and just the, the worst uh, possible units. Um, they're getting a uh, new codex, too, as our year of power armor continues, uh, with an amazing piece of codex art in the front. <laughs> Stunning. Stunning. <laughs> what we have here is the result of a Mechanicus, I want to say a Mechanicus experiment, to combine a human with a giraffe. Uh, as we see here, this was actually found on Reddit um, and was pointed out by Karmic Burner to give credit where credit's due here. Uh, the proportions are a little bit off. And we're seeing either uh, the first appearance of Inspector Gadget in the 40K universe <laughs> um, or maybe slightly off proportions. Danny, uh, what do you think the stat line for a Giraffe Marine is going to be? <laughs> Pretty solid. He's he's definitely he's definitely can engage in melee from two inches away instead of just the normal one inch. Um, <laughs> he's just gonna pack away. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> the the really more problematic about them is uh, hiding them in a true line of sight environment. Um, so if you don't have experience terrain, <laughs> you're gonna have a hard time keeping that head on that neck. And now we finally, from this piece of art, have the question answered. Why don't Primaris fit in regular transports? Well, and it's that's because why they have the... to use the Impulsor, John, because it has an open top on the back. <laughs> and because of the neck. And it just, they, they kind of wave along. If it blows too hard, then it just, you know, like grass in the wind. That would be your Black Templar assault. Uh, but again, I'm going to point this out a lot in the next few months here. Black Templars. You are literally the worst army uh, available in 40k. Uh, Barnard, I know some people in chat say Dark Angels are worse. At least you have a good joke to fall back on with the chaos thing. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, Black Templars, you're the worst. And I look forward to finding weekly memes uh, to reprove this point until someone can uh, tell me differently. And then, yeah, Duke lets us know in the chat uh, Giraffe Cakes can decapitate a lion. <laughs> he's terrified by this. Uh, and I would be terrified that he's in a situation where he can see both a giraffe and a lion at the same time. Well, lions have famously weak necks, so I'm not really surprised <laughs> that a giraffe can decapitate a lion. Anything except it's okay. Wow. That's why they yeah, have. <laughs> that's why they have the mane is to to hide the weakness of the neck. <laughs> the same way I have a beard to pretend that I have a chin. Um, <laughs> oh no, John! Don't tell everyone. That's my secret too. <laughs> 
Uh, speaking of that, I'm going to add this, throw this little curveball into the show notes. Danny, you were recently, they recently offered $2,000 to go to help uh, children with cancer ha- have a better time uh, and kind of like be like the through Child's Play, like the charity, Hammer Charity, uh, to shave your head and beard to, to make you look like some kind of Warhammer Jeff Bezos. Uh, you did turn this down. Uh, I think what was, I look what more like a Warhammer kingpin, John. To be fair, like, <laughs> uh, if I shaved my head, my head and my beard, uh, that was something I have not talked about, spoken with it with my about, spoken about it with my wife yet. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm not totally discounting it, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it. That's a lot of money, and man, those kids need some playstations. I find the best way to do something like this with a significant other is just to not talk about it and just show up having already made the decision. Um, That way they can't say no. And the trust and faith in your marriage is strong. I thought it was maybe because, you know, the divorce was finalized, like on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at that point you got to worry about why those papers are in the pocket the whole time anyway. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> She's been taking lessons from my wife. It's fine. Well, because of things like this, John, if you keep doing this all the time. <laughs> totally fair. Um, so GW, moving on past this here, uh, GW hosted its first open last weekend in beautiful and scenic Orlando, Florida. Uh, not only did the pairing structure make it so I don't have to make a submarine joke or hear a single reference about that over the weekend, which just thank you so much for that. Um it was uh, the whole event was streamed live over Warhammer TV on Twitch uh, to mostly really positive reviews, uh, and I think we have one of the the comments on that available right here. Yeah. Uh, so again, very positive reaction from Com Forty K. We can obviously ignore the slightly conceited self congratulations from a certain Servo Skull Avatar man, uh, but the coverage was amazing. Uh, Danny, what did you think of the the stream coverage? I thought it was great. Um, I was uh, I was excited. The the hosts were were informative, um, maybe too informative, some would say. But other other than that, I think that they did a great job of explaining the game to someone who was new, as well as offering some high level tactical advice. Yeah, I got to say the combo of Paul Murphy and Nick Nanavati was not something that I looked at and was like, huh, that's a really good pairing. But man, was it a really good pairing. Like they both worked on each other really well and kind of came across with some like really great insight throughout. Yep, for sure. <laughs> As I break people in my ear uh, through that comment, <laughs> not saying that the, the fellow uh, network uh, host Paul Murphy or Nick Nanabati are, are bad or terrible. They're both great commentators, but the combo oh, sure. together, super strong. Mm-hmm. You guys good. are just going to let me die on that sword, aren't you? Yep. Perfect. All right. Um, something else we saw that was super cool. Uh, there was a, a lot of interactivity through the GW stream. So they were able to highlight what objectives need to be taken, movements that were taken, uh, kind of where units had to go. Uh, and there was a really great visual overlay for the whole time. Danny. It was good. I, I don't know what else you want me to say, man. It was, it was, it, look, it was high tech. There was some great, uh, there's some great drawings on the screen. Um, uh, I, I like the objectives. I was a little miffed that we didn't get to see some Nick Nanavati faces on the table, but I understand why. Right. There's only so much you can put on the screen at one time before we learned a lot today about kind of background noise and things, just making the, the bandwidth go crazy. So, so it's important to, to black up your objectives and just flip them over for that. Yeah, you know, John, that's actually why we use these televisions on our set is we have to contain the amount of quality that we have into a smaller space. Yeah, yeah, a more compact mm-hmm. uh, thing, much like Grim After Dark getting more and more compact as the months go along. <laughs> much like where uh, you go. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's not go that far there. All right, fair, fair. But I, I think that's about all of the news and fun stuff I saw online this week. Danny, you have anything else to add in there? Anything else that, that caught the old eye? Uh, no, not for me, John. It's been a pretty, I've been, it's been a pretty, pretty crazy week for me, um, uh, in my personal life. So I, I have not been on the internet nearly as much as normal. Oh, just, just the naughty sites. Love it. So Danny, why don't you take it away? Uh, let us know who we are talking to tonight. All right. So you guys might recognize him from one of, as John mentioned, about 57 other podcasts that he's a part of. Um, he's a, he's a member or he's, he, uh, hosts the art of war. 
Um, he is known for taking way too many uh, hereticus uh, penitent engines in one list, like more than anybody really should. Uh, Master of the Repentia, uh, and recent impressively six and two goer at the Orlando Open, we have uh, Tim Kinney. Hello, hello. Good to be here, guys. Uh, John, Danny, how's it going? Last time I saw you, you had clothes on. Clothes off, I should say. <laughs> so good. True. It's going so well. And of course, now, because this is while well, you can catch the podcast the next day, uh, this is a video stream, so we have to remain clothed for this part. It just seems like the polite thing to do uh, for all of us to, to go in there. Fully clothed. All right. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the viewer's loss, but I mean, when the cameras go off. (laughs) The party starts. So do the songs. (laughs) Yeah, no, the uh, the GW event was great. What do you guys want to know? The uh... (laughs) Uh, absolutely great. Well, you know, let's talk about the thing that's on everybody's mind, Tim. Let's talk about the terrain. Uh, so it was good. Um, it was, uh, if you were used to ITC, uh, eighth edition where the first, uh, the first floor blocked line of sight, uh, it would actually be very familiar to you because they had this, you know, beautifully well-painted GW terrain. Uh, but they had all, all the windows and doors were, were boarded up pretty much. Uh, and then it was on these acrylic bases. Uh, so it was great because you could actually just put the objectives wherever, like they didn't, the rule where terrain can't be on objectives, they just they just don't care. They're just like, just put it where it is. Uh, so some of the objectives were on the terrain, and if you were behind the acrylic plates, which were huge, they were like, mm-hmm. I think they were 12 by 12 and uh, 10 by 5 for the ruins. And wow. then like, oh. yeah, and then like 3 by 5 for like the, the dense terrain. And like the woods were out in the middle of nowhere. Like they didn't really come into play. But the, the, the acrylic bases for the obscuring were humongous. Um, so really, uh, if if your shooting wasn't like fast or infantry or both, you really couldn't shoot anything more than like 18 inches away. Um, but it was great because the tables looked open. You could see all the armies. But then when you actually played it, you're like, wow, this is great. I'm not getting shot off the board turn one. Uh, and it was kind of very much felt like a, a real city fight uh, every single game, which was which was really great. That's awesome. And so Admec didn't win this event? Uh, they did. They did. Uh, weirdly enough, it was a, it was a melee admec build. Yeah. Yeah. You well, know, you know, you know, they advance and charge. And they they advance like a flat six, and they like they charge like you know like a three d six drop lowest, and they add like twenty onto their charge. You know, and then they reroll everything. You know, because why not? You know. But yeah, no, it was uh, actually paired into Richard round three. He just kind of just sat there and just smiled at me. Uh, like as I was walking oh. up, and for the first two turns, it was weird. He didn't say anything. He just like rolled dice and looked at me. And I'm like, <laughs> Richard, what do you, what do you want me to roll here? Like, am I taking saves? What's happening? He's like, no, you just just pick those models up. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess this is happening. So I can just see him. Yeah, it was weird. Right. He would just roll dice and just tell me to pick up models. But I mean, it was besides that, it was a great game. Just see, seeing there, like eating an apple the whole time. And you're like, what does this unit do? And then he just like keeps eating the apple and just shakes his head no. <laughs> and then points to your unit and you're like, okay, yeah. They call that the move. No, no, it was great. Actually, uh, I actually faced uh, Admech three times this weekend. Wow. And oh, no. Dark Angels once, Jakari once. Uh, it was it was pretty good. But uh, this the list I brought, I think, was pretty much like tailor-made for – or I tried to tailor-make it for the uh, – for the event so it was just like all the repentia and then all the advanced shoot multi multas that i could physically fit into a list and uh that turned out to be pretty effective when the repentia just kool-aid manned or kool-aid woman like right through a wall just picked up everything i think there was one round where i think i picked up like 10 deathwing knights in a single fight phase and that felt pretty good oh and then didn't you like try point with some people too after that oh. as well or? yeah uh celestine and val killed the bikes too so immediately zeroed them out for while we stand we fight Obsec Repentia piled onto his stubborn defiance objective, and then Bao and Celestine uh, tri pointed a Ravenwing apothecary against the wall. They're like, "Happy International Women's Day!" You know, so <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a pretty big that was a pretty big swing that turn. Yeah, I bet. So let me let me just ask you real quick. You you kind of already pointed out that the terrain was very specific, very obscuring, uh, very light lines of fire, and kind of really poor visibility through a lot of the place. 
Like, what did you do differently than you would have done, say, a, a kind of like a, a, a regular event? Or how did you construct your list with that knowledge in mind? Um, so usually most most time uh, playing primarily like kind of like a T3 uh, melee army, I usually bring about uh, like at least like two, maybe like three transports. Uh, I actually only brought one. Uh, part of that was because I didn't know until I actually showed up to the event if they were going to rule that Archistral could disembark in advance and kind of stationary. We're still winning FAQ. Uh, fortunately, shout out to Justin Curtis, who was um, a member, who was acting as one of the members of the uh, great uh, judge team, which is kind of great because they actually pull people from judge judging staff and teams from all over the country. I noticed a lot of locals, but a lot of people from the Nova crew, FLG crew, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he gave me a solid ruling on that. Um, but that was great. I only brought one Rhino. I was like, well, I don't want to spend all these points on vehicles. I might get parking lotted. You know, I might not need them as much. I want to take the gamble that not a lot of people are bringing in direct. They should, but they weren't. Uh, but if I'm building two or three Rhinos about being with the plan of being able to disembark and advance and shoot and they really can't like now it's kind of awkward. So I only brought one. Um, and then I just brought all their pension in the world because they can advance and charge roll charge 3d6 drop the lowest i can do a little buff to give them like plus one to advance and charge and um basically turn one they moved from behind obscuring up into the ruins uh so they were pretty much at that point like maybe about seven or eight inches from like the center of the board essentially and they were projecting this threat of about like 20 to 25 inches um you know and because and then i would use them not only project threat but I kind of like make like a little U inside the ruins and I'll kind of like just put my entire army in that. And it's kind of like, well, if you don't have indirect and I'm screwing out my backfield, you can't get angles with your guns. Um, you have to come in here and, you know, I'm screening my army with, uh, with their pension that fight on death. So what are you gonna do about that? Yeah. Good luck. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then with just, and just with the, you know, being able to disembark and then uh, move advance and then like shoot, and kind of stationary with like master artist rerolls or just you know it just just having infantry that could just go through walls and then move, you know just advance and have that mobility uh was was honestly huge and a lot of times i would just kind of you know as people if they had vehicles or whatever they tried to like rotate their vehicles to get angles at me i would just kind of like slide away and like leave that area they could just with these huge plexiglass plates they could never actually like get line of sight on my stuff uh and then i would just charge something into them um but it, it was great. The army was extremely dest- destructive, uh, but it really required good terrain to yeah. operate. And yep. uh, th- thankfully, I had that. Yeah. Do you feel if you had that Argent Trad ruling beforehand uh, without going to the event that your list would have changed significantly? Um, I might have brought like a, like a second Rhino, I think, sure. just because getting that that initial like, you know, push out or whatever um the thing was they didn't they didn't have clocks um so once i kind of figured out like hey you know we're we're kind of playing on time but like some of these events or some of these games they would only finish like you know round three or round four especially because it seemed like there was not the normal like competitive crew there it seemed like there's a lot of people just kind of like weren't used to like events or stuff like that um and like you hate to do it but like if it's pretty obvious that you know, the, the game is not going to go to round five. A lot of times I would just put my entire army into someone like round three, you know, especially some of these people, they, they kind of got a little wet, like wet and wild with their CP. And I'm kind of like, Oh, I noticed you only have like one CP over there. It would be a shame if this entire bloody Rose army went into you right now. <laughs> uh, so I did that to one of my admin players. He basically just had to sit there and take two full, no, three full fight phases from a bloody Rose uh, army. Uh, with like fight on death and just the the works, um, and uh, yeah, that game that game went from a zero to a hundred real quick. Yeah, both probably in points and speed, Danny. Yeah. Brutal. So again, I was going to ask you, you kind of answered my question. Did you feel like the lack of clocks uh, really was an influencer on some of the top table games, or was it kind of more of a a mid table decider? Uh, I say it was like mid mid and low tables. Um, there was. Uh, I was usually too involved in my own games to really truly pay attention to what was top table. But even like in the finale, they ended up, I think, like clocking out because it was the finale. Uh, they made an exception. They're like, well, it's, you know, everyone's watching this. Is Yeah, there are some people complaining uh, in chat. They're like, oh, well, they shouldn't be treated specially. It's like, well, yeah, they should. There's, it's the finale. 
you know, at the top table. So I, I'm pretty sure like everyone, you know, the couple hundred people watching at home would like to actually see it finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fifteen hundred people. I think would actually like to see it finish. Not be like, oh, dice down, you know. So um, there was a few tables where, because uh, there was a lot of Brohammer members, and there were like a lot of competitive players uh, in attendance. Where you know both players just kind of agreed, even though I don't think it was binding by the TO, but they would agree, be like, hey man, do you want to just use a clock? You know, and they held each other to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is a little bit of trust and courtesy, because like you know, if like one of them. If one of them was like losing or whatever, I'm, I'm thankfully this didn't happen. But like one of them just could like throw in the clock across the event hall and be like, "What clock?" I Game love <laughs> the image of you, your Brohammer team smuggling in chess clocks, like children <laughs> would smuggle drugs into school, <laughs> and just putting them on the table. And then whenever like you would see someone in a Warhammer community shirt walk by or a judge, you just grab it and throw it under your jacket again. And then argue about whose time that was on. Yeah, you totally wouldn't look suspicious in Florida wearing a trench coat in the summertime, right? <laughs> yeah. it, would, it would be fine. It would be fine. Uh, it was actually, because uh, we just had the, uh, a tropical storm pass by us, um, it was actually beautiful weather. It wasn't too hot. Wow. And the humidity was was relatively low. Yeah, so, you know, it takes a destructive act of nature to make the weather bearable down here. <laughs> <you know? laughs> well, I guess that's what it takes if you were wondering. Were we happy that there was a destructive act of nature to facilitate that weather? I mean, well, that's what it's like in Florida. If it's like a cat three or less, like everyone's just kind of like, oh, the weather's going to be good for two weeks afterwards. You know, it's like that's all anyone says. <laughs> uh, real quick from the chat, uh, someone's asking here, curious on the thought on overall competitive players versus an FLG event. Was there a big difference or was it not really a thing? I think you mentioned before it was maybe like a little bit more casual from your experience. Yeah, it seemed like a little more casual. I mean, it's it's hard to tell because there it was big event after drops and everything. It's like 196 players, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't think I actually looked at the number until like maybe day two or day three. So there may have been more drops. Um, it might have been higher than 200. Uh, there was, it was in Florida. It was about three hours from where I live, um, and Orlando is like the Orlando Lakeland Tampa area, like that is like the heart of like where Brohammer is, you know? Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of faces there. I just didn't recognize mm-hmm. um, from the Georgia, like Alabama, Florida region. Uh, so yeah, I think it, I think it brought out a lot of people to woodwork and there was definitely some, some really nice painted armies. And I was like, well, no, one I know paints like that. So um, <laughs> yeah, I would say it's probably about 30, 35 people who I know, um, like attend competitive mm-hmm. events on the regular and everything like that. I would say out of that, I would say probably about like 15, uh, including the Art of War guys were like, you know, like really, really serious contenders, you know. Um, but there was there was a lot of good people that I met that like, you know, they were playing and I'm like, okay, this guy is, you know, he, he kind of knows like what he's doing a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like you kind of like see it there, even though maybe he doesn't go to a lot of events or whatever. You know, I think some of these guys just like play in their garages and, you know, they kind of like kind of figure out like the right thing to do, even though they're not going to events and that kind of stuff. So I, I can kind of see that. I'm like, well, this, this guy's been getting like reps in his garage or something like that, even if he hasn't gone to a lot of tournaments. And that kind of rewards that I've found. Mm-hmm. Just getting those repetitions in, just kind of making good decision calls and that kind of stuff. Sure. So, yeah. But I'd say like, yeah, like maybe like 40 out of the 200 people were like people I would expect to see at an event somewhere else. Yeah. So would you feel that was just sort of the draw from like it being an official GW event rather than something uh, where it might be like more demonized as like, oh, this is a competitive event? Um, yes and no. Uh, I think it's just that um, I don't think it was so much that like FLG or like competitive events or ITC is like demonized. I think just as soon as you put that, I mean, Warhammer just has so much reach. You know, I think I saw some stats somewhere like like so like like when the Marine Codex dropped or something like that, or it was like at like 250 sales. I think like 15,000 of that went to people with like ITC records or something like that. You know, so it's just the competitive community is just not big, and uh, Warhammer and Games Workshop has a a huge net, and so when they put out an event with all the power of their marketing behind it, you put that hammer logo on something, and people like people show up, like people come out for that. Mm-hmm. Man, that's that's awesome. It, it sounds it sounds like a great time. Uh, I the terrain sounds super interesting. I'm really yep. really excited to see how that kind of permeates and changes the meta. Do you think that that's going to change the meta comparatively 
to uh, uh, like non uh, GW events? Maybe. Um, so I'll. I don't think going oh. without clocks is. I don't think that's going to like take off. I think people competitive events are going to definitely want to keep clocks, especially if it's primarily competitive players going. Uh, the terrain was great, and you know now doing all these shows and everything, people talk about the terrain stuff like that. I think people are really going to like that, mm-hmm. especially because a lot of stores have that type of terrain. And then all you got to do is just get some sort of base, whether it's acrylic or a normal base, and put it underneath it. Um, and yeah, like it's uh, this is the official GW event. They officially said like, hey, this is kind of what we envision nine to be played on. So you know, there's going to be those like RTTs and those small game stores. Mm-hmm that are not really like plugged into the pulse of the meta and the community. And it'll take, you know, months, if not years for it to kind of like, you know, dribble down to them. But we already have WTC doing their heavy terrain. We have frontline gaming doing player place terrain. Now we have GW uh, doing their terrain, which a lot of stores have and requires minimal setup to emulate. And people, people that are there loved it. And I think, especially as we have the New Orleans and the, uh, the Texas one, I think, you know, you're really going to see it start to take off. Uh, and I hope it does because I really liked it. Um, yeah. It also helps that uh, we had that recent, um, I think there was that issue with like the submarining or whatever, you know, and stuff like that. And it was like, couldn't have been better timing because oh, I'm familiar. could not have been better timing because this event was using, I, I think just straight like win loss or like win path. And then it went to brackets and I think they used like seeds or whatever. So if you look at the event in BCP, it looks like really weird. Like with the pairings and stuff like that, but it it, it kind of made sense. It was just mm-hmm. like if you just need clocks and like you're there, I think it would have been a great event. I just want to throw this in here, Danny. It was one time, and it was unintentional submarining. It was twice, <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> it was a totally different issue. But no, I'm really glad that they kind of have, uh, resolved this a little bit. It seems like with Windpath, I'm excited to see that get implemented in some other events. It seems yeah. like uh, it seems like a way better system. Yeah, for sure. I, I just don't think there should be a way to influence uh, your standings in an event uh, while you're inside of the game, outside of just winning or losing it. Like there should be no other hidden levers that you can pull, especially because a lot of times, you know, one player will know about it and the other player won't. The guy would just be oh, like, "Oh, why well, are you stepping off all?" Yeah, why well, the guy would be like, "Why are you stepping off all objectives?" And the guy would just be like, oh, "Oops, I forgot." You know, no, you didn't. Yeah. You didn't don't worry about it. it. Don't worry about it. They're, they're, they just want to move. It's happening. God, I thought you said lovers, Tim, and I was going to ask you a bunch of questions. <laughs> well, let's just, uh, here, let me just, let's. let's uh, <laughs> well, while it is called. The other screen. While yeah. it is called After Dark, I do request that you keep your, your wonderful shirt on. Um, I think my favorite thing, seeing uh, the way the, the pairings were made and the, the way, like, it was straight wins instead of like points being mashed up there. Uh, was seeing former guest of the show, uh, friend of the show, Philip Hall, uh, on top after day one, uh, three and zero as it was on battle points. And like, I don't think stuff like that happens if you go and again, not to disregard Phil, um, if you go to like a straight uh, path to victory like we were doing before. So I really like this new way of pairing uh, because it, it, sh- it highlights just a lot of really great players who, who might get lost in the shuffle outside of that. Yeah, yeah I think sure. that's great. Yeah. Now, just jump in. We talked about the, the terrain at uh, GW uh, Orlando with the heavy obscuring, the boarded up windows. They're kind of making it look like any local high street right now on your battlefield. Um, Frontline recently has entered the the, the player optimized terrain. Uh, they're, they're doing it with pop. Uh, and that's the, the way that they're making their terrain going. What is your views on pop? Uh, and do you think it's something that's going to solve a lot of the issues that we're seeing uh, at the FLG events? Oh, my well, uh, my views on pot is that um, a lot of people don't like it. Uh, a lot of people have beliefs against it, um, but it is becoming, it's kind of showing up. It's becoming, I guess you could say, like the legal standard in a lot of places. Um, not in my state yet, uh, but you are starting to see it nationwide. It's true. Uh, and it's just, it's just an eventuality before you can go down to your, um, your local 7-Eleven. You can just buy yourself a couple ounces of uh, player-optimized terrain. Um, and when that happens, it's just going to be everywhere. So, um, I'd say just, you know, it's not going away. 
you know, you just got to play with the, the pot. It's here to stay. When I retire, you know, when I go to events, it's going to be pot all over the place. There's so much pot. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's good that it's kind of becoming like more like mainstream because it's uh, right now, if you aren't expecting it, an event has it. Uh, there's kind of like a little game within a game uh, that maybe only one player knows how to play. Uh, so now it's become more mainstream. It can now be something that's kind of like talked about and like that kind of knowledge on like how to, you know, make it so you don't just immediately lose turn one, you know, mm-hmm. build your pillow fort, you know, like this, just say, hey, take your train, do this, you know, and that's, there's more to it than that. But um, as that disseminates throughout the community, you know, I think more and more people are going to get on board the pot, you know, and, you know, my mom's been getting into 40K. I think I got, almost got her sold in the pot too. So we're, <laughs> we're almost there. It's 2021. It's time for pot. Oh, so, and I, I really like this in a lot of ways uh, because it kind of differentiates events. Now that all the events are pretty much using the same scenarios, um, it's kind of an interesting way to make like different events actually different. Um, yep. So I, I'm really excited to see how this shapes up. And if terrain and the way that you place terrain is the way that we differentiate events, I'm cool with that. Yeah. I will say like my only concern here is obviously like the lower tier player of the three of us is uh, it could be a way if you're not aware of kind of what you need to do or how you need to place that you can lose the game before you deploy an army. Um, so I feel yeah. like frontline gaming kind of, I feel like they mitigated this a little bit uh, because one of the ways you used to be able to beat people with player place mm-hmm. train is if you like won the rollout first, you get to play uh, place the first piece, you would place the most worthless piece of terrain that was available on their home objective. You know, it would be like just just some scattered terrain. Be like, hey, good luck. You know, like here's oh, a crater. You, tar- you took priority targets. Like sucks to suck, nerd. You know, like <laughs> but like in FLG, they like kind of like divided it right down the middle. And they're like, hey, you get you get your terrain, you get your terrain. So it's kind of like you know, like people will learn as it goes along. But it's, it's like there's a bottom floor to how badly you can screw up. You know, like if if all you do is put like a piece of terrain in front of your the two objectives on the side of your board, like you can like make a game out of it. You know, mm-hmm. there's none of those things where like, you know, it's not like priority targets. You're moving the targets around. There's kind of a strategy, you know, like where to push your opponent's strategy, uh, objective away or pull it towards you, put a little bit open or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not this, there, there is some strategy to it, but the fact that like they can't place terrain like to offensively onto your side of the table, like there's a little bit of safeguards there. Mm-hmm. And then just query real quick there in the chat, uh, where they go, they come from, it's called player optimized obstacles. Uh, Danny, do you prefer poo or do you like pop? Uh, I mean, it depends, I would say. <laughs> no, it's called player optimized obstacle placement. Yeah. So yeah, poo, I like that. Solid. Well, hopefully it is, but you know, uh, I'm more I'm more of a pot uh, pot man myself. If I had to choose between the two, um, I'd know which one I want on the table for sure. Anyway. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> totally fair. Um, and just to kind of circle back on what you guys were talking about a little earlier before, we are started like seeing the rise of different formats coming now. Whereas before it was defined by like, hey, this place does book missions. Like, and then thank goodness no one runs a relic anymore. That was awful. Uh, and like this place does ITC missions. And now we're seeing the real difference makers are going to be the terrain. So is this event like a GW terrain? Is this event like a, a, a Potter poop terrain? Um, or there was even an event this last weekend where it had like a mixture of the three, where it had like, I think it was that, was it the Hellstorm event? Or there was an event where like, uh, like a quarter of the tables were GW terrain, a quarter of the tables were like player optimized terrain. Um, what do you guys see kind of being the future of these formats going forward? Um, I'm, honestly, I, I think uh, I think right now most. I mean, there's a there's a a tournament organizer group, and although opinions are kind of shared there, I don't think anyone like truly wants to be told what to do. Um, <laughs> so I think you're very much. You're very much going to see a lot of times we're kind of like people post something there like, I'm doing this, you know, like, what do you guys think? Also, I don't care, you know? So I think we're going to see people kind of do honestly, whatever they want to do with their event, you know, and they're going to share pictures, you know, low key try to say that I'm doing it correctly and everyone else is not. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's just, that's just going to kind of be a thing. Um, eventually, you know, people are going to suddenly kind of, I think the, the best ideas are going to float to the top. Uh, like, 
like you know the player optimized uh, obstacle placement will float <laughs> to the top. Uh, I was going to throw uh, here. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, but I, I think I think what's going to happen is you're going to end up seeing a lot of it, and I think what's going to happen is there's there are people are going to develop these terms for it, and the ideas are going to kind of coalesce. Um, and so, pot in one state might be different than pot in another state, you know. Sure. And eventually, you know, pot's going to be the same nationwide. And so, when you go to a pot event, you know the pot right there is going to be, you know, the same pot you had back home. And then, sort of point out here, uh, Snoop Deville on Twitch pointing out, ha ha ha, we don't really call it that. No, you do. Uh, that's you do. been retroactively <laughs> applied, uh, and because of you, that's not what it's being called and and where you are. Yeah. Yeah. We already called your local TO. It's now called mm-hmm. that. And by the way, you're banned for a year. <laughs> for making it being called that. And Kara uh, oh. Quinn, the uh, the rules for this, uh, he he mentioned that Adepticon did it did it in, what, in such a way that you could like really screw screw somebody over with this terrain by like putting it in the yeah. corner or something like that. In this, like you yep. don't get, you don't have the opportunity really to mess with your that's correct, which is great. Yeah. What is your personal preference between the two? Would you like like sort of events where we're like we're seeing like where we have the dense GW where it's a lot more kind of combat focused and maybe shooting's a little less effective or maybe something like the poop where like it it's a lot more random and what it can be and you have to take a more balanced army. <laughs> um I'm more of a combat guy. Uh so I definitely like the GW terrain. Um the issue the the FLG terrain like it looks you know it looks great uh the issue this is like very small kind of like stuff is a lot of it is is square rectangle shaped um and so you can kind of push it up so you can stage behind it but because you're basically hiding behind like functionally like a cereal box you know um not the big family size one here like you know like little snack ones like your parents gave you in the car one's for you Uh, it's just someone moves out a little bit left a little bit right and they immediately you know can see like a pixel of like a battle sister or like a dreadnought or something like that and they're like well you know hope you don't want that model it's gone and now not only that but like while you're trying to hide behind it you know if you're trying to hide behind you know a six inch uh square uh piece of terrain you know trying not to get shot the board well now no man's land basically just became six inches uh deeper you know so if you're trying to if you're playing an army that's trying to close the distance with objectives your opponent you can't step foot in that terrain because, like, you know, like, oh, you have AP1? Well, LOL, I auto win on fours, and I do, like, 17 mortal wounds on every single six. So, you know, enjoy, take your cover and enjoy it, you know? Like, so you, you basically just have to start further back and then hope your opponent puts something into your threat range and you can just kind of springboard off that. Uh, and, you know, some people out there that are very good players and they're running gun lines and they just, they just don't give you, like, that one... They don't leave that one unit hanging out that you can just kind of connect with and then springboard yourself into their, that army. Um, so I do think even with player plays terrain, I think it's going to really benefit a more like defensive uh, shooting profile with like maybe like counter charge. You know, we've been seeing some of these uh, elder artillery with uh, Death Watcher Harlequins uh, allied in mm-hmm. uh, just as cheap uh, point sufficient counter charge. And I think it might um, set up more like that type of army. Mm-hmm. So over the weekend with the GW Open, what was your favorite game? out of all of the ones you played while I continue to ignore the fact that we've made the chat devolve into four-year-olds. <laughs> oh man. It's a, man, it's a, it's hard to say. Uh, all my, all my games were, were really good. Um, I might, I don't remember everyone's name, but I played a, a nice older gentleman round one. He's, he had a beautifully painted ultramarines army. Um, I made him pick it up very quick put it back in the display case and the entire time i was just complimenting him how beautiful it was um he was actually he was actually he was there with his son so i thought that was that was super cool cool. you know like every time i hear that i have a a little uh, one and a half year old so every time i hear that i'm like i get super jealous i'm hoping that could be me in the future so um not only you beat this guy really quickly whenever you killed his model and he put it away you're like oh man that looks really great put it in the case and then not only did you hand this person their their really quickly, you did it in front of their child. <laughs> well, the uh, their son was there's someone I think was playing at a different table, so he didn't have to oh. get oh, see that. Good. But he was, I think he was like the I think this was like his first game in ninth edition. He was playing like I think he was using like old chapter master style rerolls. He didn't know what transhuman was, and I was just like, okay, well, 
let's just pause real quick. I was like, so this is one CP. You know, you can only get one of them fours. Like, if you memorize no other Marine strat from the new book, like, memorize this, please. Yeah. You know, this is the first game of the event. This will make your event run so much smoother. Mm-hmm. You know, I promise you it's a real strat. Um, <laughs> you weren't feeding him the fake ones. <laughs> no, I wasn't feeding him the fake ones. And I was like, but I got bad news for you. Um, this unit of eight repension right outside your ruin. Uh, reroll hits and wins. And take 32 saves at AP4 damage too. And he was like, what? <laughs> and yeah, the game just took a hard left turn up to that. Um, game two, uh, man, I'm, I'm trying to Game two I played against, uh, I think it was a coaching client of uh, John Lennon's or and Richard Siegler. And, um, Are you contractually was kind of... obligated to lose those games or keep them closer <laughs> than you usually? I am not. I'm not bound to do. I'm not bound to do anything. I'm just totally free. Uh, so poop all over that guy's farm. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah. So uh, awesome, awesome dude. Um, he was playing Admech, and he just was playing like a list I did not want to see. But he started with four CP, and I was like, man, I don't know, man. That is. That's, that's pretty risky. He's like, well, Siegler does it. I'm like, well, Siegler could start a list with like a thousand points and zero CP. <laughs> and he would probably beat the brakes off me. So we'll see what happens. Uh, he goes first. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, if this guy pregame moves his uh, his dogs onto the train and sees my repentance just all sitting there, just like just wide in the open, I'm so screwed, you know, because like the train just becomes transparent. And it was totally set up for like uh, Dawn of War type deployment, but we were playing Hammer and Anvil. And I was like, well, this this could be really bad. He didn't see it. Uh, he he made like a really, really, really key play turn one. Mm-hmm. And he put a lot of CP into it. And it didn't work. And he spent all of CP turn one. And now his entire army was like 12 inches away from me. Oh, so man. I knew he was going to, he was not going to be able to interrupt for like two rounds in a row. Yeah. And so that, yeah, that game pretty much like um, Celestine, Vol, and a bunch of repentance were like in his deployment zone, like by turn three, just going to town. Uh, round three, I played against Richard Siegler. Uh, that was that was a great game. Um, was trying to keep it close, held him to a five on primary a couple times, and then he just, you know, did Richard Siegler things and just bounced dogs <laughs> on my objectives. You know, kept my primary down. Uh, was actually not a very bloody game. Um, was very like kind of tactical, kind of stare off. Uh, but you know, the second time he uh, he bounced those uh, stupid dogs off my objectives, uh, I was like, yep, game's pretty much over right here. You know, because. It went from like a nine point lead to all of a sudden it went to like, you know, like a 20 point lead. And oh, that was, geez. that was kind of that. Yeah. Just like instantly. Um, he let me kill a lot of his stuff though. So that was a nice one. <laughs> He's um, a generous God. I can serve that 300 meme right there. Uh, round four, I played against uh, one of our local guys. Not, not just local uh, Brohammer, but like local from like down Fort Lauderdale, Miami guys, Justin Brenner. Um, so I think we, 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 we both like, it was one, it was great because I was a little bit tired and hungover. Um, so <laughs> I'm glad that I traveled 300 miles to play someone from home, but it was on round two or it was on day two, you know, when it's on day one, it kind of sucks. So it's day two. It's like, yeah, whatever, you know? So that was, that was a fun game. Uh, he was playing dark Eldar and I deployed like just the dumbest deployment ever. Cause he was running two of those bo- uh, bombers that do D6 mm-hmm. mortals to your oh. entire army. Yeah. So I, d- I had to deploy like in the most dumb way possible. And I went first. I'm like, okay, cool. Let me give me like five. You might want to go grab some water while I unscrew my deployment now. Um, but then I killed both bombers and uh, and like some random uh, Drake's turn one. And uh, then we kind of just crashed in the center. But I had more stuff because, you know, he had a couple hundred points of dead planes. And that was kind of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to think. Uh, then I played uh, Robert Hart from Brohammer. <laughs> uh, he was playing Dark Angels. Mm-hmm. I think I told you about that story before um, before the show started. Uh, so, you know, he was like, I'm going to take a while standing fight. I'm going to take uh, Stubborn Defiance. I'm like, nope, that's not happening. And I threw my entire army at him. Thank you for taking and... it. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I kind of poked and prodded and I was like, yeah, you know, I think I could take this. And my entire army just came on over there and said hi. Uh, and then I played uh, I played Admech again, round six. And this is like fatigue really kind of was rearing its ugly head here. He had two bombers, you know, uh, just the Admech bombers mm-hmm. and a bunch of uh, Lucius uh, Skitari bricks. And I played against Admech a bunch, you know, like Reggie Sanchez. And we have a couple of other local Admech players down here. And like the the bombers are, are annoying. Like they might kill like a unit, you know, like they'll take their they'll, they'll take their tax, but they're not crippling. And I just completely over respected them. And I reserved too much stuff. I had to play too far back. 
and then I forgot to like pull a chair up to shoot and everything. And basically, I ended up with the, I went first and ended up with a situation where uh, both planes should have been dead, but mm. it was on three wounds. He pushed it deep into my deployment zone. And so when I brought in all the reserves that shouldn't have been reserves in the first place, they were back too far. Uh, I killed it. It blew up. I killed a bunch of more Repentia, you know, like and it, it, the whole thing was just like a car crash after that. Uh, so I played for points, but sadly, like that one like, pretty much got away from me almost immediately. Uh, and then day two, day two, I played against uh, Salamander's oh, player. Wait, and he... wait, 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 Tim, that was all in one day. No, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. Day three, day three. It was a three day. Oh, event. okay. Whew, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> no one tells you GW is a 15 round tournament over three days. Oh, yeah. No, you couldn't see it off the stream, but they had like all like the Brohammer players like doing push ups, you know, with a guy in a GW event shirts, like yelling at them with a bullhorn, you know, like it was, it was brutal. Um, but no, so day three, um, like very relaxed atmosphere for the most part. Cause at this point, you know, it was, you had the people playing that the were in contention for the bracket, and then you kind of mm-hmm. just had like everyone else. Um, and I played against a, uh, a guy from the Orlando area, wasn't familiar with, but he was playing, um, salamanders, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, I, he got to the table before I did, because we went out to, um, uh, some very nice, um, adult establishments and we stayed out till like three in the morning. <laughs> and so we get in like, you know, cr- bring himself crawling back in and, um, and I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm trying to be like jovial and everything, like, you know, introduce myself and that kind of stuff. And then he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, it's my, my salamanders and blah, blah, blah. And they're, and they're, they're a beautiful army and everything. And he's like, yeah, you know, like they got some tricks. You want me to tell about them? And I was like, yeah, sure, if you want to. And while I'm saying that, I'm pulling out my salamander's dice bag and I like pull out my like four roll <laughs> salamander dice. And you see his face just drop. He's like, oh, no. Uh, turn, turn two, I think I killed. Uh, all his assault terminators, all his aggressors, all his blade guard veterans, a chaplain, uh, one of his named characters, and like ten intercessors, and I like tagged his like uh, Scorpius, and that was kind of that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh then I played. Uh, then I played against uh, my last game of the of the weekend. Was thankfully it was a great way to end. I, I was a fellow Burhammer player. Um, and just when you play like eight games to just play a familiar face, even if it's going to be a tough game, like, honestly, it's like one of the best things. Yeah. Uh, cause you just, you just don't want your last game to be like, you know, get someone that's like not cool, you know? So, uh, I played against a, a Brohammer player who's running two full payload Manticores, Trajan and five Custodes Dreads, three Telemons oh. and two Galatus. Uh, and I killed all of it by turn four. Oh. So... Okay. But it was, that was oh. that was no, but that was a very 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 tough game. Um, I basically he started with three CP, and so yeah. I just kind of shot multi melts until he spent them all, and then I didn't spend like any CP the rest of the game, so he couldn't like get them off me with with Curve's Aquila, <laughs> and so like every time I thought I need to use a stratagem, I basically like stopped playing and I would just sit there and like for about five minutes, and he'd be like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, just "Let me think," and I would just spend like five minutes if I really 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 needed that strat or not. Um, and it turns out, like, I, it was a good thing because I made Trajan take uh, 20 saves on turn three. Ooh. And if he had made, if he had made, uh, if he had lived, uh, he probably would have won the game. Uh, and he failed, he he made, he failed like three almost immediately. And then he slow rolled all of them and he made all of them except for his very last one. Oh. And he didn't, have a, he didn't have a CP to reroll. He didn't have a CP to reroll. What a oh. jerk. Slow rolling dice. Yeah. How, how dare. Um, he, he asked He asked me if he could do it. I said, yeah, you can, you can go ahead. But then he started making them, and I was like, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> I think something we've learned is that, that hungover uh, sleepless Tim is when he's at his most dangerous at the tabletop. Mm-hmm. Um, probably with all of the luck of Mercedes, uh, who was probably super nice to him the, the, the night before. My, my opponent's like, why are you wearing glitter and lotion? Why do you, why do you smell like cocoa butter? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Why are your guys gold? <laughs> uh, something I want to touch on real quick, and then we're going to like uh, wrap this up here a little bit. You mentioned at the start, there was a couple of games you just sort of steamrolled through. And I, I generally ask this to the better players that come on the show there. Uh, what do you do uh, to make that game an enjoyable experience for that opponent? Because we've all had, well, I at least have had times where you roll up, you just get absolutely crushed. And within like 30 minutes, you're like, the look has dropped. They have dead face. No one's having fun anymore. How do you turn that into a fun experience for them? Or are you just like sucks to suck? Um, so 
so I think what something that helps a lot was the new sisters book. It doesn't have uh, the Miracle Dice generation isn't as much. And I actually took the leap of faith uh, secondary in all eight games and I maxed it all eight games. Uh, so I was just immediately spending like whatever Miracle Dice I had. I didn't have any tech to reroll it or anything like that. It was just whatever I had. Like I spent it. Um, and I think oddly enough, the in the eighth edition book, it wasn't uh, sisters like raw destructive power that really got people complaining it was the feeling that like just like they would just like repentance would just come running out from 27 inches away and just murder everything you, you love and hold dear um and then the 36 inch multi-multas would kind of do that too yeah. um so i got really close and personal mm -hmm. and like i mean i had to put like i was i was doing a lot of killing but i had to put a lot of my army back into the tray every single game like people got to like really kill me um i think most games i would end up and it would be like like four or five sacrosants left um mm -hmm. and then like celestine and Val, and then like the you know maybe the rhino would be like you know like just smoke coming out of it like it's on like two wounds and it's like sitting in the corner like somewhere like just kind of like you know, sad you know and then like my two like buff character and that would be it like it would just be like maybe like some crusaders like banging their shields or whatever you know like <laughs> i would have like nothing you know i would have like 400 points on the table you know so i think um it's a very interactive army uh it doesn't feel like Oh, this is happening, and you know I never get to touch them or whatever like that. You get to, you definitely get to get your revenge on my army after I yeah, I get my pound of flesh. Um, it's just a lot of times I would just uh, I wouldn't necessarily mm -hmm. kill everything. Although some games I certainly did. Uh, a lot of times, if it was like a newer player, I would just pick. I'd be like, okay, well, what could accidentally win them this? Like maybe <laughs> they don't know how to win, but like what could accidentally win them this? You know, like so the salamanders. First thing I picked up was the aggressors. I was like, those got to get out of here. Like I can't, I can't have those those idiots just running around. Um, and then a lot of times they would, if they heavily went to like one area, I would just kind of like leave that area and stuff like that. Uh, but honestly, just like being a person at the table, like. Mm -hmm asking where they're from, like what they do, how long they've been playing, uh, but like really meaning it, you know, not just, you know, just saying it. And when they answer, you don't listen, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, that, that my first opponent, he was like, oh yeah, I've been playing since like Rogue Trader and everything. I was like, oh cool. I played in second edition, everything like that. He's like, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I was talking about like my, my second edition chaos army. He was talking about like his black Templars back then, everything like talking about his son. I was showing him pictures of my kid and everything. And I'm like, yeah, here's, here's a picture of my kid. By the way, those Blake are dead. You know, take twenty mortals. But you know, here's like here's like my kid and everything. You know, like and it was just like, you know, so like that was the thing. Like, it was just like little things that like that to remind them that like you know like the you know a lot of eye contact, a lot of like hey you know like we're stuck in here like three hours ago. You know, like this doesn't have to be. Yeah, but this doesn't. This doesn't have to be like hell in a cell. You know, like that. There isn't like a cage that comes down around us. You know, like we right. can enjoy it. You know, so I think some of my favorite times in Warhammer are, are when. I think Danny have done it to you. I know I do. It's Taylor in every game we play. Whenever I roll saves, I will just make intense eye contact the entire time <laughs> yeah. and not actually look at the dice. Um, and it's one of my favorite things to do. And I know it's one of your least favorite things to do. Uh, Danny, what else you got for Tim? Uh, no, man, Tim, Tim, you answered all of my questions so excellently. Dude, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, man. Why don't you plug plug what you got to plug? Where can people find more of you? Uh, okay, so I am uh, on Art of War 40K, obviously. I do the the podcast there. Uh, pretty much every time there's a GT or a major, uh, myself and John Lennon, uh, the boy king, boy wonder, uh, we'll uh, pull them on and we'll interview <laughs> them, talk about why their list works. Uh, it's really great when we get someone with just a stupid list on and they're just like, you know, they're just like, oh, you know, I just, you know, I've, went behind in my house and I found some models in the trash and I made a bunch of like four up saves. And then I just kind of won. It was, it was so much better when, uh, when Nick was on the show, he was super frustrated, but uh, I do that a lot. Um, also we have a episode uh, or a show called floor. Okay. Uh, we are doing, we're doing it in seasons mm -hmm. uh, just so that way we can kind of take breaks and do events and everything. we're getting ready to wrap up season two here pretty soon. Mm -hmm. I think when we talk about this event, we talk about John's recent uh, win uh, I lost track of how many super majors he's won. LSO, I think we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, Florida Man 40K. Um, Might have broken up there with my bad or Florida internet. Uh, but we're getting ready to wrap up season two. We're going to talk about the GW event. Um, so you can find us there uh, with myself, Dan Smith, uh, Will Taylor, and of course, John Lennon. 
Um, and it's even though that is a Brammer podcast, it's really just kind of about like Florida events in, in general. And it's basically like a poor man's bit pod. Um, and uh, occasionally I moonlight on uh, Sister Act 40K. Uh, I think I've been on there like three or four times now. Um, I don't know why they invite me back. I really don't, but they, they do. So, you know, <laughs> I'll totally abuse that. Uh, and now I can add you guys to my collection. Yeah, you know, absolutely. My collection. Yeah, yeah. Your, uh, your Grievous, your, your Pokemon collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think actually it's the reverse where Papa Val yeah. has added you to his collection of <laughs> okay. uh, podcast hosts and content possibilities. Uh, but yeah, so thank you, everyone. Uh, I loved our talk of poop and pot uh, and see-through acrylic bases. We didn't even get to talking about touching a life-size Primaris uh, that's how packed the show was today. Uh, I'm sure we'll touch on it later, much like the rear at the next GW event. Uh, we will be back next week uh, for a very special episode of Taylor. Uh, Taylor hates the book we're going to be talking about. So we're bringing in uh, an expert to stand up for the book while Taylor tells us why he hates it. And I'm very excited for that. Uh, but for Grim After Dark, I've been John. Danny. Yeah, and that's been Tim, and we'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs>